Thank you for that wonderful introduction. I feel like really special. Um, in fact, when I was a primary school student, uh, just small, like I was the smallest, shortest little girl in the class, my teacher uh, said to my mother that, um, that I was a special needs child because I just couldn't get the spelling, I couldn't get the, the math, I couldn't sort of get it. But I was a very insecure and a very shy and a very fearful child. And this teacher, Miss Harris, changed my world. She used to take me into the staff room. It was just a two-class uh, two school. I grew up in a very small town in New Zealand called Masterton, and it was called Westside School. And she just coached me and loved me and believed in me. And one day I was looking at that school book and everything just went click. All of a sudden, I could do sums. All of a sudden, I could spell. And she was so shocked. You know, I want to, if you're a school teacher here today, I want to commend you because you are raising a generation of, you don't know what that child is going to do if you believe in that child. It's the same with us as parents. You might have been told your son or your daughter is this or that. You might even have been told yourself that you have, you are a special needs child. But you know, when we come to Christ, what we do discover is we are special, full stop, uniquely called, uniquely made. And, um, and, and, and so that's kind of a little bit of a snapshot shop shot goodness me I can't even speak the Queen's English that's okay um, it's all right um, actually Pastor Drew and Emma so amazing uh, yes your pastors you know when you've been around in um, the wonderful church of Jesus Christ for such a long time you get to know like uh, Drew's pastor uh, pastors, Gordon and Joe Moore, are dear friends of ours. We go sailing with them a lot. We love each other. We laugh together. We have time out together. We, you know, argue with each other. That's what real friends do. And Emma's pastors from Prospect in Sydney are friends of C3 and still pastoring that church, actually. So it's amazing. You know, um, I want to just maybe give you a little bit of, of background of us, but first... Um, I will in a moment so you can get used to me, what I look like, you know, what I'm wearing, what colour my eyes are, how short she still is. <laughs> um, but um, I have actually been here. I didn't think I had been here. But um, two years ago, we'd finished having a, a global meeting in Mammoth. Um, and when we were coming down on that plane, my ear turned funny, and we had a we were having a round table in this in this uh, auditorium with big tables and everything. But you know what? I couldn't even remember because my I had a burst eardrum, and um, I was sitting at the table, and my son Joe said to me, "Mum, there's blood coming out of your ear," and I went, "What? What? No, no! That's why I couldn't remember that I've been here. I had a vague memory. Then I have to tell you, Dr. Matt. How many of you know Dr. Matt? He marched out into the green room. He lay me, you know, up on the couch and started pulling my ear and cracking my neck. And what happened? My ear just bled even more. <laughs> so I think it might have been the first time Dr. Matt had been slapped by a patient. But I'm older than him. So 
Uh, in the end, because he said, oh no, you don't take any painkillers, don't do anything. But I confess, I ended up taking painkillers just to <laughs> um, But, <laughs> so I have been in this place and coming in just, I was reminded that I was here, so I was wrong. My drivers, uh, Rudy and Gladys, picked me up from the hotel today, and I was just reminded that Rudy is called Rudy the Mexican Cutie. I mean, Gladys, you should lock him up, because, <laughs> but they've been married a long time. Well. A little bit of a background before we come around the Word of God, um, which I wasn't even going to be preaching today. And at the America's Conference, Pastor Leanne, I think she was coming, am I right? And she said, Pastor Chris, what are you doing on Sunday? And I didn't want to say to her that I was like, you know, going to hear the boss preach and I was going to do absolutely nothing. So I, I said, why, why, what's up? And she said, oh, would you like to come and preach at South Campus? And I was like, what? Are you kidding? Of course. I would love to come. I would love to come. And in a moment, we are going to get around the word because when we arrived here, uh, well, I arrived two weeks before the Presence Conference here in San Diego. I was in LA. Our two sons and their families live in LA. And I was staying with Joe, who actually was leading the worship, the long-haired, gorgeous, married with a new baby son <laughs> of mine. Um, and I just started to get this message on my heart. So I started to do the study in my journal. And so when Leanne asked me um, what, you know, if I would come and speak today, I said to my husband, um, Dr. Phil Pringle, he's a doctor of theology, don't go to him if you're sick. Because, <laughs> because and oh, by the way, he faints when he goes to hospitals. When we're on planes, you know, and people get sick, the stewards always come and say, Dr. Phil, we've got a sick person having a heart attack down the back. And he says, I go, uh-uh, uh-uh. He faints at the sight of blood. He's a doctor of theology. <laughs> and by the way, he has a proper earned one. He didn't just get given it because he's a pastor of C3. He actually earned it. In fact, when he first submitted his uh, thesis, he failed and he had to rewrite it. <laughs> but now, <laughs> which was actually to my discredit because it was hours and hours of hours where I just had to leave him alone and stop going in and saying, babe, do you want a cup of coffee? Babe, do you want to do this? Babe, do you want to go out for dinner? No, I had to leave him alone so he could study the Word of God and get it right. And so my husband, okay, so I'm just going to really quickly, I've got 33 minutes, that's fine, I can spend another few minutes on this just so you know our background. Um, so my, I was raised by a solo mother. My father died when I was just a baby, and my mother raised my sister and I. And, um, and I think probably in the back of my little mind and heart, I always had the missing father person in our world, because my mum was a very stoic, uh, the wooden spoon mother, you know? And um, Although I don't have physical scars from mum's mothering, I did have a few emotional scars. <laughs> and, um, and so I lived, you could say I was like the downtown girl and Phil was the uptown boy. He grew in a, up in an affluent family, the Pringles, the DRG Pringles of Masterton, who owned real estate and racehorses and he was, uh, 
in this household, but his household was, and I don't know whether he'll talk about it tonight, probably not, he'll just probably, you know, go like that and miracles will happen because he's in the flow right now. Um, so he, he uh, his mother died when he was five of a brain tumour. His father remarried and it was a very unhappy union. And so there was a lot of alcoholic fueled arguments. And so he spent a lot of his time outside the house, a uh, very entrepreneurial young man. At 14, he owned his first car. In New Zealand, you get your license at 15. What is that? <laughs> and, uh, and so at high school, I met Phil. Actually, I'd met him before I was uh, at high school because my mum used to cook. She used to work at every school holidays and over the summer holidays, she worked as a cook at the YMCA camps and Phil's family were at the same beach in their fancy beach houses. They're called batches in New Zealand, but it wasn't a batch. It wasn't like, you know, the outhouse. It was like the batch. And, they, and Phil would stay in the surfers' tents so um, surfing runs in the C3 family, you know? If you're a surfer here today, give me a wave. If you're a skateboarder, give me a wave. If you like to go to wineries, give me a wave. Oh! You guys are sick people, that's it. <laughs> but I love you, yes. Well, you know, the very first miracle Jesus did do was he turned water into wine. And a lot of religious people say, mm -mm, it was non-alcoholic wine. I'm like, honey, it was Jesus for goodness sake. Hey, it's okay to drink wine in moderation. Like, you know, when you say to someone, you cannot do it, do you know what they do? They do it secretly. And then they don't just have a glass with friends out, out the back and, you know, the whiskey bottle in the, behind the bookshelf stuff like that. Anyway, so my mother had said to me, you can go on the beach, you can swim, but you are never to go near the surfers' tents, which I did not, by the way, I was a good girl. But at high school, I saw Phil Pringle, and I used to watch him walk from the, at lunch time, into the art studio, and he was quite a solitary person, and very cool and very hip. And I got a big crush on Phil Pringle. And I told a girlfriend, oh, I'm kind of really keen on Phil Pringle. And she told a friend of Phil's while they were out surfing, Christine, my maiden name's Crookshank. I'm of a Scottish heritage. That's the fire in me. <laughs> and, uh, and so he told Phil, oh, Christine Crookshank. And he's like, what? Wow, because you know, I was shy. He was in a rock band. I was a folk singer sitting on the chair, you know, singing quite forlorn songs, you know, uh, on the t with my guitarist, with my long hair. But opposites attract, right? And so we started going out at the end of high school and then both left to do university in the South Island of New Zealand in Christchurch, Phil to study the arts and me to be a kindergarten teacher. And do you know, I quite wanted to be a dentist, but I have to say, because the physics teacher is here today, I wanted, but you had to do well in physics and biology and chemistry and everything in high school, but I got 13% in my physics exam in HSC. Where is the professor of physics? Uh, do you know what? My teacher called me into the classroom 
and he sat me down and he literally had tears in his eyes. How could you only get that in physics? And <laughs> so I didn't know about left side, right side of the brain then, and um, I didn't, you know, really understand it, but you got that side of the brain and I got the other one. I got the other one where it's um, the free-flowing spirit type, creative singing uh, minstrel, and you got the... Some people have both sides of the brain. I don't know what happened to the other side of that brain for me, but oh, I tell you what, it kicked in when I was a mother. Yeah, that side of the brain kicks into every mum. Do this, do that, clean your room. Your drawers are disgusting, clean them. <laughs> and so, Phil and I ended up in Christchurch and we just slipped, it was the hippie generation, it was 1969, 69 to 71 was our university years. And we just started to, uh, we were both hungry for the supernatural, we were both hungry for God. I was hungry for a father and I was hungry for something that I'd not heard of or seen or understood and we went into the wrong supernatural territories and got ourselves in a real fix and we were dropping this and smoking that and and um, one night and we started living together and uh, one night Phil had a terrible nightmare I remember because it's very significant because it was 48 years ago last week the 8th of August well actually this happened on the 7th of August the, the night before uh, Phil had a bad dream, a demon. He woke up sweating and called out the name of Jesus. The air was buzzing with just electric evil. Bad vibes. How many of you have ever felt bad vibes? I mean, bad vibes are bad. And so we rang this friend up who was clairvoyant. I mean, please, I'm going somewhere with this. Please don't walk out just yet. I'm going somewhere. It gets better. It gets better. A, a page turns. And uh, that's the name of my message today. Uh, the turning of the page or turn the page. Whatever you need to do today, just get ready because you're about to turn a page. And you know what? You have to, God will, He will get you in a place. But at the end of the day, we have to turn the page. So anyway, she rang and... Uh, uh, we rang her and she said, I'll go to the, this place, the Psychic Society. I'd already been there. That was freaky. I was searching. I'd been everywhere, man. I'd, we, had, we had been to all sorts of weird yoga things. Yoga's fine if it doesn't have the other stuff attached to it, by the way. If you want to bend yourself inside out, and you can, I, well, good for you. <laughs> but there was other things attached to yoga in our day back then. And... Um, and uh, I said, I'm not going there, I've been there. And her mother was in the kitchen. Now, let me just tell you this. We are living in a day where our ears need to be open supernaturally. Like I'm saying to you, I had an ear infection and my ear was completely blocked. I didn't even know where I was. But we are living in a day where God is popping open our spiritual ears. He's giving us eyesight so that we will see others. And this little lady in the kitchen had become a Christian three weeks earlier in a massive Pentecostal outreach that our friend invited her to. She was a clairvoyant. She was a posh clairvoyant. She was the upper class, you know, beautifully dressed and did the tarot cards and did the Ouija boards and all that. And she was totally born again by Jesus Christ. And she heard, she said, who's that? Oh, it's a guy at art school, his girlfriend, he's freaking out. Oh, she said, give me their number. 
she rang up because you just had the home phones in those days. How many of you, some of you young people don't realize that phones used to be attached to a wall only. Old school, and ring, ring, and you pick it up. And uh, she said, hello, my name is May Hancock. I know some people who can really help you. Next minute, the pastor's wife rings. Uh, this is how unchristian I was. I thought a pastor was a spiritual farmer. Pastor, like looked after cows, but like did meditation and, you know, had retreats and, you know, like at Woodstock style farmer. That's what I thought a pastor was. Honey, if you think you're unchurched, just I'm going somewhere with this. Stay with me. Stay with me. I've still got 23 minutes, 41 seconds to go. So the pastor's wife, the spiritual dairy farmer's wife rings her back and says, be here at 10 to 6 tomorrow night, Sunday night. Uh, uh, this was just a fill. Uh, I was just in the background sort of listening. Uh, don't let anything stop you, she said. The devil will try to stop you, but don't let anything stop you. Now, you know, bad vibes is a cool word back then in the hippie, but the devil, that was really scary, like the devil. But we did know evil, so we thought evil, bad vibes equals devil. That's a, physic, that's a physics sum right there. Yeah, I passed that one. I got, I got a tick on that box. And Phil told me, and I said, I'm coming with you. So we hopped on our, we had push bikes. It was Christchurch's flat in New Zealand. Well, it used to be, since the earthquake, it's a wee bit odd now. There's hardly anything left of it. But we had our push bikes, which by the way, were stolen ones. I mean, how good is God? He is so amazing. He's like, we got on these push bikes that we'd found somewhere and you just, you know, pick up a bike. I don't recommend it. Don't do that anymore. I'm going somewhere. This is an unsaved couple here. And we hold hands. We bike across Christchurch. The 8th of August, 1971. We're all dressed in black. I've got long hair. Phil's got long hair. He's got a beard. I don't. So, but we, we look like, so we arrive at this address and it was a hall. I, didn't, I just thought, oh, it's going to be like a spirit. I had no idea it was a Christian church, you know. So this little lady is standing on the steps, was freezing cold, just starting to get a bit misty. Christchurch, August 1971, cold. She goes, hi, you must be Phil. And Phil goes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's me. Yeah, man, that's me. Chris, this is my girlfriend, Chris. Okay, so she says, come inside. Okay, this is the beginning of everything. This is the end this is the end of a chapter in two lives and a page is about to be turned. We walk into this little foyer and it had blue carpet with things on it. Oh, the air was buzzing. It was Raiders of the Lost Dark. Good vibes. Good vibes. Phil squeezed my hand and he said these words. Good vibes, babe. Oh, and I said in my heart, I'm home. What was I saying? My spirit that had been crying out for God, crying out for my father through seances and all sorts of weirdo things. I'm home. The page, here it is, it's halfway turned. So God was moving in on us. We go in. 
This old man came out behind blue velvet curtains, was an, a, a conservative Assembly of God church. Suddenly shall Christ appear. And he was singing these hymns. There were numbers up, you know, on paper, slip things up on the wall. We're going, wow, what is this? This atmosphere with old people from like the Boer War. They didn't even look like they were in this century. They're all in suits and ties and ladies in hats and tweed skirts. Like, but we didn't care because the presence of God is, the presence of God is its own culture. It's not about whether you're wearing ripped jeans or you've just, you shop at Target. It's not about whether you've got the latest style. It's not about whether you've got the right handbag. The culture of the kingdom is an atmosphere in the presence of God. Woo! Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. You could stand up for that one because Jesus was about to, he was smiling. The pastor comes out. Oh, the spiritual dairy farmer had a suit on. He had wavy brown hair and big blue eyes. And I went, wow, and he preached about Jesus. He preached about Jesus being the way, the truth and the life and that in the end times that a harvest would come in. And I'm like, yeah, wow, Phil and I are there just taking it all in. And every time he said the word Jesus, it's the weirdest thing because we'd studied every Eastern religion under the sun and never thought about Christianity because Christianity in our minds from our hometown and everything was so daggy and uh, out of touch. And, and Phil had been in a rock band with Christians and they were out the back smoking dope and sleeping with their girlfriends. And he just, he just didn't, he just thought, well, you know, if that's not what that religion is meant to do, then, then how come they're doing it now? Nah, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna study. We're just gonna go to India and find a guru. That was our plan before this night. We'd already had a bonfire in the backyard of our flat. We called it the bonfire of the vanities. And we'll just put something in a knapsack and we're gonna go find truth. I mean, we were, we were radical searchers of truth. And you know what? When your heart is hungry for God, He is gonna turn the page. Or He's not looking for fancy prayers. He's looking for something on the inside here where there's a yearning and a groaning for, the, for something, something. There's gotta be something more. Oh, if, if your heart is in that place today, I pray that you will do today the next thing that I'm about to tell you we did. So the service comes to an end. And, oh wow, my head's spinning. I'm like, whoa, wow. All I'm feeling are these good vibes and this feeling of oh, home. I didn't understand any of it. Didn't understand the presence of God. And the pastor said, there's some of you here tonight, you've never asked Jesus into your life. And you can do that tonight. And then May tapped us on the shoulder. And she said, you put your hand up now. She was like, Obi-Wan Kenobi, you know, follow me through here. So we just went, because mm. this Jesus, this Jesus was not the Jesus that, like we'd heard about religion, but not about Jesus. And Jesus was never really mentioned as somebody extraordinary or, you know, maybe just a prophet in the Eastern thing, but never anyone extraordinary, never anyone who could, who was the way, the truth and the life. And then uh, he must have said something else. And then May said to us, you go up now, you go up now. So we stood up, we we're in the second row. 
and Phil looked at me and he said, are you going? I said, I'm going. So we went up together. We thought the whole church were coming up like for communion or something. Like, you know, we had been to like a midnight service at the Catholic church when we were like stoned or something just because you got red wine. No, <laughs> but we didn't know it was church or Jesus or anything. It was just like, wow, let's, wow, those candles. Woo, those windows, they look really, woo. Are they moving for you? We're total aliens. And you know what? God loves to call aliens. He died to save sinners like me and like you. If you if you believe you're a sinner, we're all sinners. When we see the glory of God, my Lord, woo, our garments look pretty shabby. So we went forward and we prayed a prayer. I just felt warm and amazing. The pastor's wife, the spiritual dairy farmer's wife had her hand on my shoulder. And then they took Phil out the back. This is all in his book, Freedom Is Now. The first paragraph of that new book, Freedom Is Now, is his story. But I'll just be real quick, because I'm giving you the beginning of the turning of the page. They take him out the back. Well, the first of all, they say, are you that, are you that boy? Are you that boy? Like the, freak, the one that got freaked out last night. I'm that boy. They take him out. The elders from the Boer War in their suits with black ties. And they say, we're going to pray for you. So Phil goes like this. All of a sudden, there's five or six hands on his shoulders, his head. Come out in the name of Jesus. And he's like, whoa, what's going on? Yeah. <laughs> and then he said, a black mass came up, up, up out of his stomach and popped out of his head and he began to cry. And as he began to cry, he started to say, Jesus, he was crying. He hadn't cried. He could not remember ever crying since his mother had died at the age of five. Blocked up. Oh, our wells are blocked up with life. Oh, but when the Spirit of God comes on us, He wants to free us. He wants to fill us. He wants Jesus on the inside, number one. That's the page turned to invite Him in. Then the get rid of the rubbish. Put the rubbish out. I mean, every week we put the rubbish out, don't we? In our lives, every week we need to bring our stuff to Jesus and just say, you know, it's part of the Lord's Prayer, you know, to deliver us from all evil, right? It's in the Lord's Prayer that every Christian religion says, but the actual, it's, it's, it's actually an action. It's an action prayer. And so he started to cry. And he said, he was going, Jesus. He didn't even know who Jesus was. We didn't know that Jesus and the Bible and God went together. And he said, it was like my mouth was broke. And he was like, <laughs> and he said, he heard this language in his heart and he felt like speaking it out. So he just, he was baptized with the Holy Spirit. He's crying. And the old men are going, hallelujah. And our pastor's going, glory to God. I can hear them out the back. I'm sitting in the church pew with the pastor's wife. He comes out. Phil comes out, hair flowing, eyes blazing. Like, wow. And I'm like, what happened to him? And the pastor's wife said, you'll get it next week. Ah! Get what? The page was turned, friends. And I did. All the way home. 
Matt, because it was only little hamburger joints in those days, I am getting to the Bible. I'm going to read a scripture in a minute. I'm just, this is the, I'm the your living epistle right now of C3. So you can understand why we value the presence of God so much. All the way home, man, Jesus loves you. Hey, man, do you know Jesus? And we get home to our flat. Remember, we're living together in a big hippie flat. Sunday night, everybody's stoned, the fire's blazing. We walk in. All our friends go, oh, oh, they knew we'd gone to a church. They were rubbishing us all that time. We didn't know. I was like, woo. Oh, they said, oh, you're not one of those Jesus freaks, are you? I'm like, I didn't know what a Jesus freak was. I went into the bathroom and looked in the mirror just to see if I looked different. Well, I knew Phil looked different. And that next, honestly, everything shifted. It was like, Do you, come on, you guys, come in, come on here. Come and smoke some dope, drop some acid. It was like a clean page. The page had turned, turned completely. It was a clean page. It's a clean page. When Jesus comes into your life, and you know what? I'm just gonna, I'll be real quick because I wanna just wrap this up with the Word of God. That was a great, that was the beginning of us being born again. It was the beginning of our new life in Christ. Many of our friends, the next week I did get baptised in the Spirit. I heard heavenly music and our big, our big dream was let's get a big, oh, let's get married. Oh my gosh. So that week, oh, we felt bad about living together. We went to see the pastor. We said we're living together. We've been sleeping together. Dropped his Bible on the... And okay, you're gonna love this, girls. You're gonna love this engagement. You're gonna love it. He goes, well, I suggest that you part and down the line, will you consider marriage? And it was silent, just like there is right now. <laughs> and there's Phil with his long hair and I'm like, I'm a hippie garb. And Phil turned to me in front of the pastor, not on one knee, nothing. Here it comes, the proposal that will change my life and yours. How about it, babe? <laughs> how about it, babe? Okay, let me tell you, how about it, babe, worked, because three weeks later, that church put on a glorious wedding for Phil and I. We were saved and we were water baptized in between. And I'm telling you that on the 28th of this month, I'm just giving you the history of who is standing here before you because of the grace and the faithfulness of God and His great friends that He's connected us with for nearly 50 years of being saved. On the 28th of August, we celebrate 48 years of marriage. And I know some of you, thank you, Lord. This isn't even my message. But I wanna say this. Well, it is my message, it's my introduction. <laughs> That's the introduction, truly is. I haven't even, is it my iPad? I've got the new message right here. <laughs> I'll have to send it online. <laughs> no. So, for the last several months, when you know, people have been referring to that Jesus revolution, you know what happened? The Jesus revolution, as it became known as, you know, the Jesus freaks, was kind of started 
believe it or not, along the coast of California. Did you know that? Berkeley, all the hippies, lots of churches were born and planted out of that move of God. New songs that had never been written were written in that move of God with, with Christians that aren't, not all of them are living or following even Christ today. But back then there was a resurgence. With a new move comes a new song. And you know, Phil and I have been talking about it and then people are saying, oh wow, those were the days, they were the incredible days. But yes, they were. That was that Jesus revolution, but there's another revolution that is sweeping California, baby. It's California dreaming 20, not 2020, coming into 2020. A new powerful move of the Holy Spirit is the pages turned. It started, Phil and I sense it. Uh, even coming to do Presence Americas was really to put a footprint with all our churches here in California and beyond. In the next year, we're coming back and uh, doing a day and a night, and it'll be here and it'll be in LA and New York and whatever, and you know, across Atlanta and other places in America, because God's Holy Spirit is, is, has turned a page into a new era and a move of the Holy Spirit, which you are going to experience, which even being here today to, to proceed, Phil, tonight is going to be part of that turning of the page. And on the opening night at Presence, for those of you who weren't there, I got up and I felt like this was a word in my spirit. I'm going to read this scripture to you now in the last seven minutes before we pray. Um, God is here turning a page. What uh, was unwritten will be written and what was unsung will be sung. And I believe that God's Holy Spirit is calling us up. He's calling us to wake up. He's causing us, He's calling us. Okay, so the turning of the page is the call and then action, then the call to action. So we can't just be sitting down comfortably, just being served, but we are gonna rise up to what? To serve, to serve. To be servants of the Lord is not this position that I'm in right now behind a pulpit. To be servants of the Lord is a body ministry. It's a, in the streets, in the schools, in your businesses, in your universities, at the gym, at the cafe, at the dress shops, wherever you are, you are the new Jesus revolution. You are, you represent the new Jesus revolution. And it's time for us to rise up. We feel it in the air. And there is that, that, that people are so wanting two things, the presence of God and connection. They're wanting a living experience with Jesus Christ. And some are people that need, you could be here today, need reviving. That's reviving is reviving of something that's old. You know, to revive is to, you know, to have new breath put in us. And I don't know about you, I always need reviving. You know, you can't keep giving out unless you're breathing in. Right, You can only exhale and give when you inhale. And that inhaling is being in the presence of God and hearing His Word. And, and so uh, I wanna read a couple of scriptures and then we're gonna pray today. This is in Isaiah uh, chapter two, verses two to three in the Message Bible. There's a day coming when the mountain of the Lord's house will be the mountain, solid, towering over all mountains, 
all nations will river towards it. This is not in my notes. I added it. It won't come up on the screen because the next one will. Sorry, I'm, that's me. That's the way I roll. Sorry. <laughs> the unexpected. But listen to the word. People from all over set out for it. They'll say, come, let's climb God's mountain. Let's go to the house of the God of Emma and Drew, C3 San Diego. Let's go to the house of God of Pastor Jürgen and Leanne. Let's go to the house of God of Dr. Matt and his little wife, you know. Like, let's go to the house of God. Let's step up. Let's wake up. Let's put on the garment of praise and let's really do something and be a part of what God has already turned the page to do in the state of California. I can tell you it's a new day. Phil and I feel it. Phil and I know that we're going to be up here more and more, not to annoy you, but to pray and to see God's Spirit move dramatically in the lives and bring about a new sweep of the Holy Spirit and a revival of those who have felt like the air has been popped out of our lungs. Some of you need a lung transplant with the breath of God coming into you. Listen to this beautiful word in Song of Solomon. I'm gonna read this, let it land. And then we're going to pray because I know we've got another service in three minutes. Well, close it. Song of Solomon's 2, verse 11 to 13. You feed on this this week. It's from the Passion Bible translation. The season has changed. The bondage of your barren season has ended. And the season of hiding is over and gone. Don't you love this? I love this. I think of the winter here in America. You're the big bear in the cave. <laughs> Listen, this is what's happening outside of that hibernation. The rains have soaked the earth and left it bright with blossoming flowers. The season for singing and pruning the vines has arrived and I hear the cooing of doves in our land, in California, baby, filling the air with songs to awaken you and guess what? Guide you forth. Oh my goodness, you can chew on the scripture. I am, I have for several weeks. Can you not discern this new day of destiny breaking forth around you? If you're watching online, take this word, feed upon it. Can you not discern the new day of destiny breaking forth around you? The early signs of my plans are bursting forth. The budding vines of new life are now blooming everywhere. The fragrance of their flowers whispers, woo! I love this. I've got it highlighted in my Bible. There is change in the air. There is change in the air. Winter is over. Winter is over. Break the cycle. I'll stand to your feet today. Arise, my love, my beautiful companion, and run with me to the higher places. For now is the time to arise and come away with me, says the Lord. Oh, Holy Spirit, lift your hands today. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, team, and what we do at C3 San Diego, go to C3SanDiego.com. 